I'm Austin Basis, and this is Actors Speak, where actors speak and I listen. Welcome back to part two of my interview with actor Gabe Fazio as we continue the conversation. I think taste and choices come into play a lot as actors. You could do all the technique and all the classes you want, but those those instincts of your imagination and trying to use your full experience to inform those choices is a big difference between a lot of actors that I've met and I've seen work. And so when you're preparing for an audition versus having the time that you had with, I know this much is true, where do your priorities lie and and how does that process get incubated into <laughs> sometimes less than 24 hours like what do you do first and where does where do those choices come is it all instinct is it all like big choices and you know you don't have time for two weeks oh, to yeah. do a statue exercise no, um, you don't you know get to two weeks later and then it's all relaxed well i mean like well that's a, it's a paradox when the writing's good which is seldom sorry but it's true when the writing's good, it's easier, but it's harder to let go of. When the writing's terrible, which most of the time it is, you have to make lemonade with a squeezed lemon. And so it's more difficult, but you don't give a shit afterwards. I mean, you do, because you want to get the role so you can get paid good money. But like, well, I go right to what I want to say. What would I do in a situation and what do I want to say? And I get a good idea of who that person is based on my reaction. Because I feel I go with my first impulse. And if it, evo- if it evolves, then sometimes when I start doing when I start filming it, you know, sometimes it, I'm like, I shock myself sometimes, which is, this is more recently this past year, I, haven't, I didn't act for a whole year. I just didn't even try to, I didn't even do anything. Even the auditions, I didn't really get many auditions, but they started picking up a little bit. So I feel like having that retrospect on life and experiencing life and not having to like be bogged down with trying to get the next role. I feel like I've evolved as a person and, um, and I feel like my uh, reaction time to the material has somehow quickened it's much faster so i feel like my response to the situation that's given in in the scene that you're gonna record for your audition i i feel like it's a little i branch out of what's written when it's bad writing and i say what do i want to say and then i'll lead into what's written that helps and i just keep doing that keep doing that and then when it comes time to do it i just erase what i say and just keep what was written and it's filled with my inner monologue so i feel like that's all i have time to do is that and what i do like about not having enough time is when there's an accent (laughs) which i am not good at i'll watch somebody's accent and watch their gait and their tone and i'll just practice it. I'll go in and to a supermarket and talk to people with that accent, see if they look at me funny. Um, 
just so I can get it out of my skin. And I don't show anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in these last few months, I feel like my audition game has definitely changed for the better. I still haven't gotten anything. But uh, I think that's a lot of people. I think more people are auditioning because I do think there's a, there's a real democratization of auditioning because you could film from anywhere as long as you have a camera and an internet connection and send it in. Whether you'll get the opportunity through a casting director and through uh, a different project is a whole nother story, but there's nothing keeping them from seeing someone in another country, in another place, Mm -hmm. another state for that role. Do you think about and do you approach auditions for TV or film or theater differently? And how does that affect your, no. does it affect your projection or your, your choices? No, not at all. Volume, size, scope, no? Not when I'm self-taping, no. Right. If I'm like, you know, it was the theater auditions, the few that I've had, um, when it's live before all this shit happened, they're naturally further away from you. Like they're like in the back of the room and you're like, oh, I'm like in the space and they're kind of far away. Not much, not very far away, but, you know, you have to, like, I'll talk normally, you know, like, I'm hard of hearing, so I naturally talk loud anyway, so I don't ever have to worry about that. Yeah. And I know, yeah, you too, you're, you're, you're like, you got a big mouth too, so. Like, I had to talk over my family who were all talking at the same time. <laughs> if you ever came to a party or a birthday or, a, you know, a holiday at my, my house, when I would go to bed, all I'd hear is everyone talking and laughing at the same time downstairs. Yeah. And so to get a word in edgewise, you got to be yeah. loud in a Jewish family from Brooklyn, you know? It's so funny because I feel like people with big mouths like you and I, we flock together. Yeah. And like, we feel like, you know, we're not talking too loud. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I, I'm glad I married my wife because we both talk loud. Oh, good. Coming from theater and coming from a background where we were trained with great playwrights doing plays mm-hmm. and having to work to execute properly and to execute those scenes in those plays to their fullest capacity, it required a lot of rehearsal. Mm. In this you know, kind of fast-paced TV and film world, you mm-hmm. often don't get that rehearsal how are you, what are your feelings about rehearsing in our industry and also how many takes you like doing once you get to set? Like, so oftentimes one of the takes is a rehearsal. It is a blocking rehearsal for oh. camera. Yeah. Oh my God. The worst experience I've ever had, Austin, yeah. was when I did this short film. I like the director. I still do. He's a nice guy. Oh my God. I, if I could just take one thing back I would take this back but he it was a very timed I don't want to give it away so I don't want anybody well not that anybody gives a shit so no one's gonna care spoiler alert you can go (laughs) they have it was supposed to be a one taker a you know a oneer piano sequenza 15 minutes or 10 minute take with a drone using two drones so we had to time it out so and plus i had to piss myself too so i had this fucking tube in me and we rehearsed it but not for the acting we rehearsed it for the camera the day before 
So we came in to do it, costume. We didn't rehearse with the costume. They wanted to do a rehearsal take. So we did the rehearsal take and I just went through it. I didn't like give my all and, and we did it. It worked, you know, the piss thing malfunctioned, but I hit it pretty well. And uh, so it was actually like, you know, if they wanted to use it, you know, technically they could because it was, so then we did it again and the drone broke down. Then we tried, but we had to do it with the, with the light too. And it was shot in the winter. So the sun was setting like around five o'clock and they had a break for lunch and then we did it and it was cold. So it didn't work once. It didn't work twice. We're going to do it one more time. And I said, the thing malfunctioned. Let me just really piss. And the time that I did it before, you can't see it. So I'm like, don't worry about the piss. We'll digitally do it. I'm like, okay, great. But I'm going to piss anyway because I have all this water in me. So we're waiting to go, waiting to go. I'm like, are we going to go? I'm like, and I hear on the, on, the, on the walkie, drones malfunction. We have to wrap it up. So I'm like, oh, that sucks. And I'm like, dude, I feel bad for you, man. I'll tell you what, like, if you want, he was really crestfallen and really sad. And then I felt bad. And I went up to him like, listen, dude, we can work out payment. You know, you and I could do defer pay for the, if you want to come back and do it again. He's like, okay. They called me up like two weeks later. Let's, let's shoot this again. But it never happened. Okay. I guess we're not doing it. I guess the movie, you know, sometimes you shoot a short film, you don't ever see it. Because, like, you know, it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. So I thought it was one of those. So about a month and a half later, I get a phone call. He's like, hey, man, you want to come in and do some ADR? And I'm like, oh, I'm like, great. So I went in and they used like a really cool, like, you know, professional sound place. I've been there before with on big projects. And I'm like, oh, wow. And so I'm like, dude, I just want to say, man, I'm going to give you a lot of credit for going for quality, uh, quality over special effects, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, Content. Con yeah, like yeah, you're spectacle, going quality over spectacle, or yeah, quality over spectacle. That's not what I wanted to say, but that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, it's true. It's that. And he's like, I'm like, you know, it's it's a hard thing to let go of your idea and just work with what you have. You know, it's like a great artist. You know, you have you you want it to look like oil, but you're using acrylic, and you, what you have is acrylic, and it's okay. You know, he's like, no, no, we got it. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, we got the one take. I'm like. Money and he's like, yeah, the rehearsal take. And I went, what? He's like, yeah, we're going to use the rehearsal take. I'm like, he's like, you want to see it? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, let's see it. And I'm like, oh, my God. I start to sweat. I'm watching it. It's terrible. I'm like, you're not seriously going to do this. He's like, yeah, well, what we want you to do is, you know, you obviously are not, like, fully invested. But can you fully invest now? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to fully invest now for two reasons. One is I don't want to. And two is it's not going to match. It's going to look like a bad fucking Kung Fu movie. It's like, it's, you can't have me screaming when my mouth is doing this. It's stuck. It's going to look more ridiculous, all due respect than what it looks like now. And he's like, well, can you just like, we can't hear you in some place. Could you at least like try to like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I felt bad for him. I'm like, I'll do it for you. And I was like, all right, you know, you're a good guy. I'll do this. But when it was done, I was like, dude, he's like, I know it's not what you expect. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, uh, I mean, that's my performance. It's terrible. I'm going to let you know. It looks terrible. 
I know why you did it. It's like, you want, dude, you know how many phone calls I got called from Avram? It's like, hey, Gabe, me and Doug Lyman was, saw this. I don't even know if he was with Doug Lyman at the time, but he said, I saw you in this film and it was great. I'm like, no, it wasn't, dude. It was terrible. Long story short, bro. What I learned from that is the rehearsal take is take one. There's no fucking rehearsal take. Yeah, yeah. Ever. Ever. Because they'll use that shit. They, I mean, yeah. some directors don't give, don't care that you look like shit. They don't even know what good acting is if it bit them in the fucking ass. Like, they really don't. It's, it's amazing to me. It's like, how did you put that in there? It's so bad. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. And this is what I think, I think is a misnomer in the, the industry is that improv is more real. So directors that let that happen feel like they're going to get grittier moments, but it takes a very delicate, artful hand like Derek or, you know, Scorsese Bradley. or someone, Bradley, yeah. someone that understands what's happening and understands the, the inner workings of what we do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why to get to work on films like that, it's, it makes, actors that work in network TV for the most part, a little jealous because you're doing on film what we, we do at the studio. You're doing that work. So rare. That and like the director has set up a playground by creating an environment, actors playground by creating an environment where that spontaneity, those emotions are going to oftentimes maybe hit the editing room floor but would make other movies shine. You can't use everything, but the fact that you're in that zone and you had those takes, you know, when you're the insurance guy, the stuff that makes it is that much fuller because of the environment that was created. I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Are there certain other directors that you feel like you want to work with or other actors that either would give you that, those moments and that, that environment to really do what we really love to do? I don't know how the directors I admire work when with their actors. Like I, like I saw this special with Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix talking about how they worked on Joker and I fucking thought that was amazing. I would totally love to work in that environment. You know, I, I'm even well, when I worked with Bradley, when we did that little bit in Star is Born, what you see- When you got is, punched by Lady Gaga? Yeah. <laughs> did she hit, did she make contact? <laughs> no, but I had a headache after shooting that. Yeah. Just because I had to throw my head back different ways. That's a whole other story. But it did, the whole, like, uh, what was written on the page is not what you see in the movie because it wasn't working. Because like you said, you don't have the rehearsal period. Like you've read um, Yuli Kazan on directing. It's like he has all his notes and letters he wrote to um, uh, Tennessee Williams and Arthur Miller. It's like your writing doesn't work. The actors have a hard time with it. And Arthur Miller would rewrite the scene. It's like, this is Arthur Miller, or Tennessee Williams rewriting a scene to help the reality of what was happening with the directing Yuli Kazan and the actors that were cast. It's like, because the actors are the truth sayers. They're the ones that are the personification of truth. You know, writing on a page is an idea. 
and actors make it reality. So the, the actors know more than anyone, more than the director, more than the writer of what this person is, a good actor. So Bradley was working with me and, and like, he's like, yeah, it's just, how do you feel? I'm like, I don't know. It's just, it just doesn't seem to be clicking. He took me aside. They were changing. They didn't change his camera setup. They were doing something with the lighting or something. We took a little break and we went into this back room and we're having this conversation. He's like, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's the writing. It just feels like it's pulling us back. He's like, yeah. And he's like, what about this? And Bradley came up with this idea. And he said, and this happens and this, I'm like, so I come in and I say this, he's like, yeah. And how about that? And like, but he switched that around. It's like, okay, we did that. And then he's like, that's it. Let's go. We went out there, we shot it. I think we did one take. We may have done twice too, but that was it. And we didn't tell Stephanie, you know, Lady Gaga, we just did it. And like, it worked and it totally worked. How it, did that work for the uh, the uh, fight choreography? Like the Well, the, the fight choreography was a different section. So we would cut before we did that. But we your would, coverage, for your coverage, we did the, yeah, we changed the other the side of the bar. Right. Yeah, when we did the other side, what was happening was, when I remember, Lady Gaga was throwing a hook. And so I was going rolling with her punch. And the camera wasn't working. So they kept telling me to pull my head back. And Lady Gaga kept throwing a hook. And then finally, one of the guys who was playing my buddy in the situation was the social stunt choreographer. And he was like, oh. And so we fixed and made her throw a jab or whatever she threw across so I can do that. And, and then that works. So we just shot that and dude, even doing it now, it's like shakes your brain. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a major fucking headache. Um, <laughs> like whiplash. You're giving yourself oh, whiplash, dude. dude. Yeah, dude. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> no, it was great. I, I, I loved working on that, you know, and knowing I was the, that was the most nervous I ever was because it was my friend and, he offered me the role and I wanted to really, really make it work. And um, I, so when we changed it up and we made it more suited for my energy, uh, it worked. Cause I didn't want to play him angry. You know, like I was rebelling against them. Like, I don't want to come in and be this cliche guy. Like, you fuck my wife. That's drunk and shit. I'm like, so Bradley was keen enough to see that and be like, yeah, I don't think he should be angry either. He's like, but people don't always know that they're being intrusive. And uh, so I still had the little chip on his shoulder of who he was, kept that, but had an intention. And the stakes were, I wanted to get back at my fucking girlfriend, that whore, you know, and here he is. I mean, he looks nothing like the dude she cheated on me with he's such a fucking liar and i'm gonna show it to her and that was the stake was revenge yeah, you yeah. know like i wanted this picture and like you know um so it, people don't always know like when they ask you for your autograph in the middle of a fucking conversation with somebody i mean it's never happened to me but i'm sure it happens to you and although someone did recognize me from the place beyond the pines once at trade fair uh, uh trader joe's once and that was pretty cool He's like, were you the place I was like, get the fuck out of here. Are you kidding me, man? Are you like some weirdo? I'm like, <laughs> You're like, I have a beard. That guy does it. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. But I could imagine when Bradley was telling me, like, I hate it when, like, you know, when people come in, they just, they're so selfish. They just interrupt your conversation with everybody you're talking to for something so selfish as if we're this, you know, that was the, that's the sense I was getting from. So I kind of knew what to do because I'd seen it happen.
yeah. you know? And I'm sure that happens to you. Like we're like, you're like eating dinner, talking to your wife and some, are you in, in, in beauty and the beast? It's like, after like the 20th time, it's like, I am sure you're probably like, yeah, dude, I'm, a, I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, I'm not signing autographs. Sorry. No. I, I don't get tired of it, but it, it is awkward at some points because what happens with me versus probably what happens with Bradley is everyone knows who Bradley is, but like, sometimes it's kind of like the same thing with you is like, is that, is that, isn't that, and they don't say anything. They just look at you like, like weirdly. And it's, you feel like there's eyes on you and my insecurities from growing up and being a late bloomer and, you know, like looking 12 when I was in high school or college, that's, that's the stuff that comes out of me. The insecurities of like, why are they looking at me? And if they're laughing, are they laughing at me or like, you know, um, which is yeah. weird, right? Yeah. You're old. My insecurities are always the first one to reveal themselves. They're always like, Hey, I'm here. Like, <laughs> right, right. You know, they're really insulting you. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. shut up. They're not insulting me. Yeah. It's like, she thinks you're an idiot. It's like, yeah, no, she doesn't. It's like, I have this like war going on in my head. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So in, in all your auditions and all your, your set experience, and even in your theater experience at the studio, is there a moment or not a moment, but an experience that stands out as either pivotal for you, whether you're a young actor or like an, you know, in the uh, school at school, at the studio, on set, is there an experience that I think stands out for you as something that was is pivotal in your evolution as an actor, uh, or just stands out as a memorable experience that that you take with you going forward in your career? I had so many of them, bro. So many of them, and they're all equal, and they all like led to the next one, to the next one, and then there were times that were like horrifying, and but. I have to talk about this experience because it was one of the scariest experiences that has ever happened to me on stage. I had two moments on stage that were like terrifying, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. And one of the latest one was when I worked on um, at the La Mama Theater with Estelle Parsons at the helm. And uh, I was playing, I was originally playing Simon the Zealot in um, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot, and, um, which was a brilliant play written by Stephen Aldi Gerges and uh, I was playing Simon the Zealot and that was cool. But <laughs> she had asked me if I'd be willing to take over the role of Satan because the actor playing Satan, um, Javier Molina, I don't know if you know him, he was playing Satan and he had to go shoot a movie. And uh, so Stella asked me if I would want to take over the last two weekends. Well, no, the last weekend, the last four performances. This is like two weeks before it happens. He's like, come on, Gabe, could you do this for me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, fuck. So I loved his dialogue. I think Gerges's words just for me, just come out so trippingly off the tongue that it was so easy to memorize. I would just drill it with my girlfriend and we would go over and over and over and do the line, I would do it in the street, I would do it in my sleep, I would, Satan, you know, we talked about who Satan is, I'm like, I see him wearing a turtleneck, I don't know why, 
<laughs> That's such a child of the 80s and 90s. <laughs> yeah. And I was shooting this movie where I had to shave my head. So I shot the movie and I had shaved my head. And I had long, curly hair when I was playing Simon the Zealot. And then I shaved it and played the rest of Simon as well with a shaved head. So by the time I got to Seton, I shaved my beard and kept the goatee and had a shaved head and a turtleneck. Just seemed right. I felt like Satan. So I was doing Satan. And um, so I was I like what you're doing, Gabe. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get much rehearsal. I got like two rehearsals for like two scenes right before the show. Yeah. So that was my rehearsals. And then I got another rehearsal on the next day right before the show. So those are my rehearsals. So I came in and I did it. I was off book and I did it. And she's like, I really like what you're doing, Gabe. I, I really see, I believe what you're doing. The anger is there. But I just see an angry man who loses his shit. He's like, but I don't see Satan. He's like, can you show me who Satan is? So I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. So... <laughs> I said, I'm just going to come in and I'm just going to fucking be what I think Satan is. As cartoonish, I allowed myself to go so full out that I remember I was looking at Chris Stack because he was playing yeah, um, yeah. the guy at the end. What's his name? The guy whose dream it all was. And he has a like three-page monologue at the end of the last days. He's just scared. Forget his name. He was playing him. He also was taking over the role. And... As I was doing, I came in and I was like, uh, I just spoke like that and like allowed myself to do jump in the air and do fucking flips. And I'm looking at Chris Sack and (laughs) I start to laugh, but I stay. It was like a lot of fun. And afterwards, we did that big scene where Satan blows up. And uh, so I was like, that was great, Gabe. You think you could do that every night? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. I think I could definitely do it. (laughs) <laughs> so i go upstairs and i warm down and i had to warm back up i came out and here's the kicker i'm so psyched to do this bro because you talk about like letting it all out there and fucking being as truthful and honest and fucking like manipulative Whoa. and like enjoy every fucking evil morsel inside yourself yeah a lot satan like the way he writes it you can actually do that and I'm about to walk out on stage and Satan has a great entrance. They introduce him. You walk out and you're like, you know, the star wants you to like greet everybody. The audience is part of it. You know, yeah. the lights are on the audience. That like part of it. Well, it's and a trial, right? They're supposed to be the jury. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> right before I'm about to go out, I'm like getting nervous thinking about this. I'm like, man, I'm like, I feel so relaxed and I'm ready to go. And I allowed my mind to just take this route. And I, it, crept up on me. I, I didn't consciously do it, but it went this route. We're like, man, it's so crazy. I was just literally sitting down with my girlfriend, having her correct me with the lines like three days ago. Oh my God. How did we learn this three days ago? And dude, I went, well, what's my first line? I'm already out. I'm out of it. And wow, they, I don't know what it is. And introduce Satan. And I have to walk out on the stage. So I walk out like this. And I look at the guy. <laughs> I look at the guy playing the judge. And I just said whatever the fuck I wanted to say. I'm like, how you doing there? I'm like, uh, are you wearing no shoes? And like he's looking at me like, what? And then I got the line. I just went with it. I was like, holy shit. I was prepared 
to improvise the entire fucking show. I, I didn't know when the lines yeah. were going to come up. And they just came out, and I went with it, and I was like, my heart's still racing, but I have to be Satan, so I can't let anybody see that. And at one point, I remember going, I needed to express it, and I look at the girl, Suzanne Dodonna, who was playing the attorney, counsel. I went, <sighs> I was like, <sighs> and exhale. And she's like, what? I just remember being using her to, like, shake off my... Uh, yeah. take off my fucking nerves so I can sink into it. And I had to sit that it was the most terrifying experience. Did you I, share that with uh, the cast afterwards and with Estelle? No, no, they didn't, they no. don't even know. No, because it got overshadowed by the experience of how the scene played out. It was yeah. so much fun. Wow, man. It that, was so much that's fun. But nobody, no one saw it. No one, I had a friend out in the audience. I'm like, did you see that I was nervous when I walked down? They were like, no. Right. As a matter of fact, we thought you looked so relaxed talking about his shoes. And I'm like, that wasn't part of it. I told, I may have told them. I was like, that wasn't part of it. I was just improvising there. You're like, really? I'm like, wow. yeah, I just forgot the line. So I just went with it. <laughs> that was so, dude, I swear to God, bro. I was so, yeah. And it, it came to a point where I just said, fuck it, my shoes. I, I didn't care. I had to say, I do not care doesn't mean i wasn't scared my hands were like this it was like what DiCaprio says in uh the department he's like my heart's racing out of my chest and the hands never shake that's exactly how i felt i yeah. just felt like fuck this fuck them i don't give a shit i don't know the fucking lines i'm doing them a favor like i just fucking learned these lines so you can have a show okay there's nobody out here would be insane enough to do this right now can you just bring me a script so i could just read the fucking lines that's <laughs> the way i, I was prepared i would have done that if it got to a point I'm like, just can someone just bring me out to sit down and be like, I'm sorry, I just learned this. Can I have the fucking so only the reason why I feel like I would have done that was because I saw Elaine Stritch do it. And when she did a delicate balance on Broadway, we had tickets to see the dress rehearsal. And I just so admired her to say, fuck it. She literally said, fuck it. What's the line? And she's people let like that's the theatrical experience. That's part of it, you know? It's like Shakespearean. It's Elizabethan. It's like you're – it's part of the of the experience. So people watching it, if you're relaxed, they're relaxed. So if you're like on the stage, I go up on my lines and it's like, hey, you know what? I just learned this, you know? Sorry. It's like, can somebody please bring me a script so I could at least do the scene? <laughs> like, sorry. And then we can wait and I can say, how y'all doing? And just keep in it, you know, keep it. That's what I would have done, I think, because Satan has that relationship with the with the audience. But that's how I felt. But I will tell you, bro, when I did get the lines, I was so fucking relieved. And I was so scared. But that was a pivotal moment in the sense where, like, I just got to trust myself. I'll get through it. Does that type of danger is that what keeps you coming back for more as an actor to go through all the shit we've got have to go through to like get a part and and do that and be in that moment is is that what keeps you coming back for more is there something else that connects you to the work i just get off on when i know it affects when i know i'm affecting someone and rather than infecting them if i'm affecting them and they yeah. feel inspired or like i know i'm making them happy and i know like 
that make I'm allowing them to, you know, have some retrospect on something that's happened to them in the past or something that's happened to them now where they can relate to it and get an answer. Or like I can make them forget about this sorry, pathetic life that we could all relate to ourselves. You know, that's what keeps me coming back. I feel like, like I want that opportunity to reach a large audience or a group of people who can get something out of it. You know, I want to inspire people. I feel like that. I want to give back to the community. I feel like that's how I feel like I could best do that because, you know, I don't know how else to do it. This is a kind of a general acting question, but I find it an interesting thing to talk about. But do you think chemistry is is something that can be engineered or no. does it just happen like magic? No, cannot be engineered. Really? No, I don't like like using names to give examples of what not to do. But at, but like I saw this film recently where the most prestigious actor you could think of was the most revered, celebrated modern actor you could think of, or part of that clan. It's like one yeah. of who had this zero chemistry with his supposed love interests, zero, and. His work was phenomenal. Her work was phenomenal. But they were phenomenal alone. It's like you're watching them. This just, they just didn't know how to do it. They just, I feel like chemistry has to be created off screen. And I feel like to bring that chemistry on, if it's not there, I mean, some people have natural chemistry. I did an audition where the girl, the director wanted me to do it. And the girl he had already cast didn't like me for the role. So she sabotaged my audition by giving me zero. Yeah. Like literally, like, yeah. And I called her out on it at the audition. I was like, I'm like, what, you don't like me? I'm like, I'm like, excuse me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you, you don't like me. It's like, yeah, that's why you're not giving me anything. You're not going to give me anything. Right. It's not, I, I can't do it. You're not going to give me anything, you know? And she's like, I'm giving you something. And I'm like, okay, well, that's what I have to work with. This is our relationship. This is the chemistry. If we get, if I get cast, this is the way we'll be. Yeah. You know, oh, well, I just shut down and do the same thing to you. That's our chemistry. Chemistry is chemistry. It doesn't have to be, Hey, how you doing? Chum, chum. You know, like it doesn't have to be like the three amigos. It could be the, their chemistries. They both hate each other. And it works. Yeah. You know, if you're yeah. true to how you really feel to each other and play the scene, it might not work for the scene. It may become something completely different that makes zero sense. But in itself, at least there's chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, you have to, you always have to work with what you got. Uh, my yeah. wife, Colleen, she is a coach and she talks about adaptability and like being an actor is like, having to constantly adapt to different scenarios, circumstances, mm -hmm. personalities. I mean, a lot of artists in, in our industry, whether you're a writer or a director, writers less so, but directors, they have to work with a lot of people. Actors have to work with directors and the people that the other actors they're working with. You have to adapt to certain situations, whether it's a production thing, whether it's a personality thing, whether it's a, a vision, a creative vision thing, but, I think adaptability is underappreciated and undervalued in our profession. And it's not being political, 
it's maybe being political enough to get the best out of everyone you're around, mm -hmm. including yourself. What is your least favorite part of this business? What, if anything, would you change about the industry and how would you change that? Stop celebrating mediocrity because it makes money. Like, you know, for instance, like you're not going to find Chopin on my phone. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't move me. It doesn't do anything to me. I think it sounds lovely. Um, I know that he's a fucking genius. I know that I can appreciate his music. I know objectively it's brilliant, but I'm not going to say that sucks because I don't like it because I don't get it. If I could change anything in the business, I would replace the business people with artists who respect and appreciate the process and put them in it because I believe the people that buy all the tickets will still buy all the tickets for something that is brilliant. Who out there, what actors and artists uh, and people who do what we do that do you respect that rise above that mediocrity? Are there people that you look to now that whether they're creators, whether producers, um, are there other actors that you, you know, I know Daniel Day-Lewis is retired, but. He is? That's what he said. He said. Uh, like Mayweather gets. Really Phantom Mayweather Thread is. Right. Phantom Thread is his last movie. Yeah. That's what we'll he said. That, yeah, exactly. Anyway, like, you know, whatever. That's fine if he wants to retire. You know, that's, that's <laughs> um, great. He has the privilege to retire. I have no problem with that. I, I, I think that would be sad because, yeah. I mean, listen, man, I get it. You get tired and it's like debilitating and draining. Totally get it, man. It would be sad only because, you know, what other kind of role can he do that can inspire another generation of actors? Like the best performance I have seen, bro, in the last 10 years on film was Anthony Hopkins in The Father. Oh Just my God. devastatingly brilliant and real and and it's so inspiring that he's 84 years old turning not only the best performance of his life but the best performance this year with all due respect to everyone else and there were some fucking amazing fucking performances that are being recognized but i think if you're gonna look at like what he does what he's doing in that role is just it's haunting all the other level bro yeah. And to see it level. after, you know, his career and what he's done before and to yeah. still rise above yes. the, the level that he's already um, established for himself. The and that he was able to do that all along. And it just goes to show me like, oh, I wonder if he I wonder if he had takes like that that weren't used. I wonder if they went with the other takes like I know, like I just read an article about Christopher Columbus talking about uh Mrs. Doubtfire, it said that he had three different versions of Mrs. Doubtfire. One was, and he said half jokingly, one was an NC-17 version. He had a rated R version. And <laughs> I mean, like it, it was, but look what, what they, like they chose a different version of his performance. Chris Columbus said that. And it's like, it was just fascinating to hear that because it, validates what I always thought, you know, it's, it's like they went with a different version that 
garnered it a PG rating or PG 13, whatever it was. And the fact that they were skating on a rated R and C 17 is like pretty, pretty telling of how it works. And it goes back to what you were saying about, I mean, I guess it's a really a director's and editor's medium. They could, yeah. they could use or not use any take they choose. And it really comes down to, I guess the producers, the studio and the director making the choice of what performance of yours that you handed over and offered up mm -hmm. to live in the final version of the, the film. For you as an actor and comparing it to your life when we were talking before, what's the difference? We're actors, you know, is there a different person that is not the actor in Austin or Gabe? Like we're the same as we present in our work, I feel. So as an actor, uh, we were talking about the arc of your career and your life. What elements of you as a person do you feel shine through the most in your work as an actor and mm -hmm. is your goal as an actor does that align with your goals in life i don't know it's a really great question i don't know i i feel like what well for better or worse there are some things that i want to make sure that like it's truthful and like it's me but i don't want to see my judgments out so like, i'm always looking for that um I, you know what i don't know if that's for me to say because i really don't know what kind of shines through my work the most um i i guess it would be i know like i'm a happy person but i also am a very righteous and angry person as well and like i'm also self-deprecating and i'm also insecure and I'm also uh, judgmental to myself and I feel like I'm better at um, lassoing in my tendency to judge other people, but I haven't quite, I think uh, yeah, a little bit, I, I'm not so judgmental on myself anymore. I kind of, I give myself a break and I feel like everyone should give themselves a break sometimes. Um, I don't know what. Like what I want to shine out is I, I want to make sure like in everything I do, you see love in some form or another. Like I feel like every human being, even a, a sociopathic murderer who has at least love for himself, you know, there's some kind of love in there. Like you ever see the Iceman interviews, the guy, uh, love those. the hitman. It is yeah, I watch them all the time. Intense. It's so good. I love that when he's talking to the psychiatrist, when he poses the questions, like when he says, what's wrong with me? It broke my heart. Yeah. I don't know why. The guy's a fucking terrible human being. Yeah. But he knows there's something wrong with him. Like that little voice, like what's wrong with me? It's like, that's love. He like, he loved his family. He loved his little girls. I know he beat his wife, but he loved his girls. Yeah. Like he loves something. You know, and that guy is the most heinous fucking killer of all. He gets tricked. He kills people just because they annoy him. Or they look at him wrong. Even Ted Bundy. It's like this. There's like a you, you see that the, the, the human to be human is to love. I really believe that. And like I always get a good sense of everybody I meet as briefly as I do. 
sometimes, you know, get to know them a little bit, whether that's like at Starbucks or something. I've never can remember anyone I've met who didn't have some kind of loving vibe. You know, I, I, I don't mean to sound sentimental, but it's like, I try to erase myself of that shit and the stuff that they teach you in school. Like, this has to happen here. Like, the event in this scene is that they have to fall in love in this moment. Well, the next scene doesn't make sense. In theory, I agree with that. But that doesn't, I throw that away because what if I don't feel love in that moment? You know, maybe it comes up in another moment. So, when I, but somewhere in there, you have to be open to let it shine through, even the most calloused person. There has to be, I want that to shine through. I don't know if it does, but, you know, I hope it does. I think love through our work is, I think it breeds compassion for humanity because as an actor who studies how people behave and, and investigates that in myself, you know, I'm, the, I'm my own archaeologist of my past and my, you know, insecurities and my idiosyncrasies and trying to filter that through these characters. It, yeah. I always want, you know, just to see the humanity in a character, to see the, the humanity in me through that character. I've said it before, but I say I'm not always the character, but the character is always me. Like Absolutely. the character you yeah, see I agree. is always me or some part of me. And I've never committed any major crimes, but, and I played criminals before, but some part of me has to be, understand that I'm capable of doing those crimes and totally. tap agree. into that. Yeah. You don't have to go out and rob someone. No. But you've robbed, but you may have robbed someone's, um, somebody's trust from them. You may have robbed the love from another person. You may have robbed somebody in another way. And and how does that make you feel? You know, like I'm a thief. And you know what? You know, I, I hope doesn't shine through, but there's a tiny, tiny little bit of bad Gabe in there where it's like a lot of thieves love to rob it. They love the feeling. It's like, I can play that. Like, give me fucking money, man. You know? <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm sorry. You know, I'm so sorry. Just yeah. put your money in the bag. You don't even need to play it straightforward like that. It's just, but just to have that live inside you, you know, could be yeah. more subtle. It was a terrible acting job. Please cut that. Do, that. <laughs> um, Do you uh, like the sound of your voice? I hate the sound of my voice, man. I can't. It's it's, it's like it drives me crazy, dude. It's like hearing my voice. Does that? Does your voice bother you like that? Does it? When so I was a kid, it. when I was a kid and I heard my voice like on my bar mitzvah video, I was mortified. Like hearing how pathetic my New York accent and oh. my, and my oh. like, I want to, this was like, I want to thank my mother and my father <laughs> and for giving me this affair. Uh, <laughs> but now you got rid of it because you saw how this terrible it was well i can go back to i i you know when i talk to people from new york and my family and friends it always comes back but the intensity and the loudness and the meter the rhythm i i talk is very east coast in new york but that's okay you know why because we've been trained to turn it off you can you can afford to talk in the rhythm of a uh of a person from new york and be cool with it like yeah. man you sound like this I'm like how are you can play any other wall 
that's why I, I paid lots of money to do that, to get rid of that when I need to, you know? Yeah. Uh, so this is awesome. I, I really, I really like talking to you. That's why I do these things because you talk about things that Likewise, bro. you don't usually talk about with normal people that aren't actors, but you don't talk about even with other actors, unless there's time set aside for it. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Just as we end, are there any like uh, quotes that you look look to or go back to that kind of inspire you or um, keep you focused? It's funny when you started asking me what was my favorite, like if I had anything, the only thing that came up, I'm like, yeah, I want to ask you questions, Austin. Like, I want to ask you questions that are, they're all controversial. <laughs> and they're, they're like, there are things that you can't talk about because you're being, because you have a recording and like, you don't want it to be used against you. So like, I want to talk about those things because it re in relationship to our craft, not even the business, just the craft, how like, our like, you know, understanding of what it is to be an actor, to be, be this or that. And I want to talk about that stuff. I want to talk about like the controversy of like Lee Strasberg and like their behavior with the people they worked with or like Ely Kazan, the way that he like gave names, like, and like how, and we relate it to today. I want to talk about that stuff, but we can't. So I'll answer your question. <laughs> so I, I, no, I, I don't know many quotes offhand, although Shakespeare comes up a lot. Like, well, you, you, uh, you quoted before a, a quote off the tongue. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you, you, you listen really well, dude. Yeah. No, it's um, uh, what was it? Do you what ever was... hear the uh, the Samuel Beckett quote? Because I, I, I love waiting for Godot, but it's not mm -hmm. from Godot. But mm -hmm. when I think of actors auditioning, I think of this quote, and it's ever tried, ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. I Can love that? that. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I guess my quote that keeps coming to me is a Charlie Brown quote. And I'm not saying it to be cute or anything because it is cute, but like I wrote a script and I put it on there because it, I wrote a script about unrequited love. And I think the quote has two different versions, but I'm going to paraphrase it. Well, I could look it up right now, actually. Charlie Brown unquieted love peanut butter <laughs> peanut butter <laughs> charlie brown you're googling charlie brown unrequited love uh quote peanut butter <laughs> no but it's such an amazing quote and for me it inspires it's a great me. teaser for the quote by the way <laughs> <laughs> okay here it is bro nothing takes the taste out of peanut butter quite like unrequited love Wow, that's deep. Totally. It totally is because unrequited love isn't necessarily limited to romance. Just like romance is not completely limited to sexual. Yes. Yeah. And so love is such a broad spectrum. And when you don't get it, and it is unrequited, it's not met, it's not realized, it's only potential. It's just it's so heartbreaking. Like that's the tragedy of like life is when and that doesn't happen. So when I read that quote, because I was looking up quotes on unrequited love, that one like struck me. I laughed and then I cried. And I'm like, this is 
speaks to me. Like, you know, nothing takes, what does it say? Nothing takes the taste out of peanut butter quite like unrequited love. And peanut butter is like the most delicious thing ever made. You know, really I love peanut butter, man. Me too, man. I don't <clears throat> even need salt in it. It's just like creamy or crunchy, spread it on anything. Yeah. And I mean anything. <laughs> and that's how we end um, yeah. <laughs> great great finish you know how to close uh, thank you thank you for for talking with me i mean and honestly this is what i think actor speak is it's two actors talking about the craft and talking about random shit sometimes but it all comes back to doing what we do and doing what we love and trying to Put something out there in the world that uh, has integrity and that people will appreciate and just be entertained by and maybe maybe even learn something right <laughs> no dude i i love the stuff I, I i love stuff that is not good either like we need that we need stuff that isn't like artistically brilliant the balance and the spectrum of what gets put out there you have to see poorly executed things or things you don't like or bad projects or, or TV shows or movies or plays, but you have to know that stuff to know when you see something really good and, and extraordinary and, and worthy of uh, praise. You have to see both ends of the spectrum to know both ends of the spectrum. Thanks again to Gabe Fazio for speaking with me, and thank you for listening. And thanks to my lifelong friend Jason Liebman and up-and-coming musical prodigy Dylan Hazen for composing and producing the Actor Speak intro music and theme song. It pays to have talented people in your life, and I'm extremely grateful for this sweet tune. One last note. I want to give a special shout-out to Jenny Josephson for her guidance in conceiving and producing this podcast. Thanks for all your advice, patience, and support. Subscribe to Actor Speak on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, you'll be eligible to win some cool Actor Speak swag. Once again, thank you for listening. This was Actor Speak.